Our Father in heaven, uh, we do wait for you. Uh, when we come to pray, when we're waiting on you together, waiting on your deliverance, uh, waiting on your help to sustain us. Uh, Lord, we've often confessed to you that when we come together on a morning like this, we, uh, we are distracted by a great many things. Uh, this morning, we may be more distracted than ever. Uh, there, there is turmoil going on around us in, uh, in some significant regards. And, uh, and we, as a church family, are really kind of all over the place. We ask you that you would help us. We ask you that you would unite our hearts to fear your name. We ask you that you would, by your spirit, you would calm us and quiet us. By your word, you would teach us how to think, Lord, how to believe. And that you would empower us to do so well in a way that brings you glory. Help us to do so together. Uh, we pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would be our guide according to your word. Oh, Lord, that you would be our help. We pray, oh God, uh, that you would help us to trust in you above all. Uh, we, we think of, uh, of those brothers and sisters that are home right now, uh, that are, are scared of what they're seeing on the news and what they're reading, and they were already scared about their own health two weeks ago. Have mercy on them. We think about our brother Randy Pizzino, who is somewhere between the Dominican Republic and here, uh, trying to get back home. Uh, we don't know where he is. We don't know what is going on. Uh, but you do. Have mercy on him. Have mercy on those many folks uh, that are, are there in the Dominican Republic, uh, are there in, in, in Italy, in France, in Spain, in Germany, folks in Iran, folks in, in China. Uh, folks, all over the world, Lord, uh, as we begin to list off countries, it boggles the mind for us, but not for you. You've made Jesus Christ the Lord of all these places. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, even on a rebellious people. Even on a hard-hearted people. Uh, deliver us from the consequences of our sin. We pray for our missionaries who are in Difficult circumstances. Uh, we think again of the Broadduses and their family, uh, I think, is still separated with Yoko and the girls in Japan and Brian somewhere here. Oh, God, help them. Uh, comfort them and encourage them and bless them in a trial. And oh, Lord, bless, bless those folks in varied circumstances who are in great trial. Uh, we know that even in the, Ro in the Roanoke Valley, there are, there are many uh, congregations of our brothers and sisters that made the very difficult decision not to meet this morning. Uh, and so there are many of your people here in our valley who are without that means of grace uh, that we lean on so heavily. Have mercy on them, Lord. Be especially generous, we pray, with your grace to your church in this hour. And be generous to us, we ask. Uh, help, us, help us, Lord, to be wise. Help us to walk in faith. Help us, above all, to trust in you and to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> well, friends, I want to ask you to turn to Psalm 20. Turning your Bibles to Psalm 20. We're, we're not going to, um, to continue our study in the Gospel of Mark this Sunday. I'm going to delay that a little bit. I want to talk to you first a little bit about what's happening uh, in the world around us. I admit to you right from the very beginning, this is not my area of expertise. Uh, you have not hired me to give you uh, geopolitical commentary uh, or uh, scientific or medical advice. Uh, I, I am the, the, the pastor of this church, and my, my area of particular specialty is the scriptures. Uh, but I do want, uh, as, uh, as one of the elders in this church and on behalf of the elders in this church, uh, who you have set aside prayerfully to be as leaders in our community here, I, I do want to make some comments to you about what's happening in the world and then turn to the scriptures in light of that. It does appear, friends, that uh, the world is entering into a time of trial. Uh, there is something happening that has been uh, called by the World Health Organization a global pandemic. Um, there is, there is a, a disease um, which is you know, being called a number of names. The coronavirus is... Uh, is spreading uh, from nation to nation that uh, apparently at this point that is not a rumor or a hoax that is actually what's happening in the world. Um, it is spreading relatively rapidly and it is affecting nations of all kinds on virtually every continent. I don't know if Antarctica um, has been affected, but uh, Europe, Asia, Africa, North America, South America. And, uh, and what's happening in the world is going to affect us uh, one way or another. And, and in fact, it already has affected us as a community here in southwestern Virginia. Um, our, our brother Tony Hart, one of the deacons, works at Food Lion. And uh, I, Tony was describing to me some of the circumstances at Food Lion over the last 48 hours that does not sound pleasant. Uh, our, our brother, Carl Grove, uh, is managing a lot of people's investments in the market at Edward Jones right now. It's not been a particularly light week for Carl. Uh, as, as evidenced by uh, the unusual form of our services today, the things that we've canceled, and even the unusual makeup of, uh, of the group here this morning. There are many of us that are not present this morning. And there are many, many churches in the valley that are not, that are not meeting at all. Uh, there are already effects of what's happening around the world uh, reaching us here in Roanoke. And none of us know the future. None of us know what's going to happen next week or the week after. But it does appear uh, that this, this virus itself is, uh, is going to affect the United States in the way that it has uh, some other countries around the world. Uh, even southwestern Virginia. Now, there is good news. This, this disease that is making its way around the world, the disease itself 
the effects of it prove uh, devastating or, or fatal for relatively few people. Uh, it is not like the Black Plague uh, in history you read about that when it, when it reaches the house, the house is as good as gone. That's not what we're talking about or anything like that. Uh, most people who uh, find themselves infected with this virus will recover at home and they'll be all right. And in the mercy of God, it seems that small children seem to be in the least danger of anybody, uh, which is a profound blessing. Now, uh, there's bad news, though. This appears to be not nothing, to use a double negative. Uh, this is something. Uh, and it is especially something among uh, elderly folks and folks with already poor health. Um, the way that uh, this is impacting nations and communities around the world seems to be varied. Uh, some places, uh, you know, depending on the circumstances and the population, depending on the preventative measures that are taken, depending on how robust the healthcare system is, uh, there's a lot of different factors that affect the way that it impacts different communities. Um, however, it, thus far, it appears that there is no stopping it, really. Uh, and... And even large modern nations with modern healthcare systems like ours are being shut down almost entirely. Um, you read about, about Italy, about France, about Spain, uh, about Germany, about the United Kingdom, uh, and, and even here in the United States, friends. Uh, there are many, many entire school districts that are closed, including ours. Uh, many events have been canceled. Uh, the NBA has canceled the rest of its season. I don't know much about sports and economics, but I bet that was not an easy decision for someone to make. <clears throat> uh, gatherings and various parts of the country are, uh, are discouraged, in some places even being banned, domestic travel. Uh, there's talk about uh, even domestic travel being curtailed to some extent. Um, even here in southwestern Virginia, in a community like ours, where there are no confirmed cases of this virus, at least as of this morning when I looked last, the schools are closed, Libraries are closed, and again, many, many churches even are closed. Uh, the last time I looked, over 100 this morning. And I'm not, not just talking about, uh, you know, I don't think those churches are being alarmist necessarily. Uh, some, some reformed churches that we would consider sister churches that have medical doctors on their board of elders have made the decision not to, not to meet this morning. All that to say, uh, there, is, there is a trial on the horizon for us. Uh, and it appears in some ways to be here already. The whole world is going through something right now. We don't know exactly what it is yet or what it's going to look like here. Uh, but we know that it's probably not going to be avoided altogether here. 
And uh, increasingly, it looks likely that the peak of whatever it is we're going to go through together here is, is going to be several months from now. Uh, whether that's the peak of, uh, of illness and its effects here locally or the effect of panic over illness. You know, crisis does tend to bring out the worst in people sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, we will see that. But friends, it is, it is not impossible that even here in our community, the kind of panic and desperation that Tony Hart saw at Food Lion over the weekend is what Magdalena Yoder is going to see at the hospital. We just, we just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's one thing to chuckle about toilet paper. It's not going to be so funny when it's happening at the hospital, if that is the case. The, uh, the Virginia Department of Health, in keeping with the CDC guidelines, has already recommended that large gatherings like this one halt in places where there are local cases of, of this virus. And as the elders have been discussing this, uh, we do intend to follow the guidelines that the health department gives. Uh, again, some local churches have already preemptively stopped meeting. How, how long is it going to be before there is a confirmed case of this virus in the Roanoke Valley? Um, it, it is possible, friends, that this will be our, our last Sunday morning whole church gathering for a little while, if that happens. We're going to figure out uh, what to do because I rem I'll remind you that this is not the church, this one meeting once a week. You know, uh, we, there are many places around the world where brothers and sisters don't have the freedom or the privilege of gathering in numbers like this. And they make it, and we'll make it, whatever that looks like, we don't know. Uh, we do have, uh, we were, the elders were talking about it just a few minutes ago, uh, we have this beautiful piece of property right behind the church building, and one of the factors that the health department and the CDC said to take into account when you're talking about canceling events is, is the event indoors or outdoors? Yeah, the weather might be good. Maybe we'll meet outside, that won't be so bad. We can thank the Boy Scouts for the amphitheater thing out there, the chapel. We're, we're, we're going to figure things out is what I'm saying. Um, but I, I want to speak with you frankly about this uh, because it looks like uh, we as a community and we as a church are going to be affected in some way in the very, very near future. Uh, I, I also want to remind you, friends, and I reminded you in an email earlier this week that uh, you know, while the, the, the dangers of, uh, of what's happening with this pandemic are... Uh, are not so scary when it comes to small children, when it comes to young people uh, in good health. Uh, it does get significantly more scary as you talk about older people and people whose health is poor. And I want to remind you that uh, you, as, as members of this congregation, you are part of a family you know, of about 300 people. And in your family, there are some folks whose health is not good. Uh, there are some folks uh, who, again, as I prayed a moment ago, they were worried about their health two weeks ago, and this isn't making things better. Uh, so I, I would ask you, uh, while we as a congregation uh, 
we don't want to be uh, panicked and overreacting. Uh, we don't want to act like society is coming to an end. Neither do we want to be cavalier. Neither do we want to be selfish. Uh, we want to be careful and measured and compassionate, especially as we deal with one another. Uh, people are going to respond differently to this. There are people in this room that feel different ways about it. There are people in this room that are probably responding internally in different ways to what I'm saying right now. Uh, have mercy on each other. Don't be judgmental of each other. Be patient with each other and show each other love. We are also uh, looking at a time here of substantial trial, not just physically, but the, the, the secondary ramifications of it for many of us. I mean, at my house, preschool's canceled for the next couple weeks. That's bad news. <laughs> you know, that's more people in the house, and they're the people that listen the least. Um, the school systems, um, boy, we go to the library all the time. We're not going to the library. Uh, on a, we can go outside to the park, but man, if it's raining, uh, yeah, just the circumstances are, are changing, and there's upheaval in all kinds of uh, situations throughout the church. Uh, so, and, and for some of us, uh, this next season of life uh, looks like a, uh, a season of, of some, some scary isolation. Uh, there are a lot of folks who would like to be here with us this morning, but are sick. And they're probably not sick with the you know, coronavirus, but they're sick and they don't want to be here and be a, a distraction and, and scare other people. Uh, as, as the next few weeks and months go on, uh, some of us are, are going to be separated from one another in ways that is going to be difficult, and there's a spiritual cost to that kind of isolation. I want to remind you of that as we care for each other. Now, I do have some very practical uh, counsel that I want to give you, but before I do that, I want us to look at the psalm together. Uh, psalm 20. As I've told you before, the psalms teach us how to respond to things. The psalms teach us how to grieve. They teach us how to suffer. They teach us how to be afraid. They teach us how to respond to deliverance. They teach us how to pray in a variety of circumstances, um, and, and I expect that, that we'll turn our attention to the Psalms a lot here in the near future. I turn your attention to this Psalm, particularly this morning, because this is a Psalm of anticipatory trust. It's a Psalm of hope and resolve in preparation for a trial. Uh, King David wrote this Psalm, and he wrote it evidently facing some kind of, uh, of danger ahead. There was some kind of storm coming, probably a battle, and David turns to God in faith. And in doing so, he provides an example for us in how to turn in, to God and trust in circumstances where the future is uncertain. So uh, follow along here as I read Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. 
May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Now, in speaking of this psalm, Martin Luther says that the Spirit has given a devout and pious battle cry whereby David might admonish himself and the people and draw them to prayer. John Calvin said in his commentary on this psalm, the design of the Holy Spirit here, in my judgment, was to deliver to the church a common form of prayer, which was to be used whenever she was threatened with any danger. I want to walk through this text together, really just introduce you to it, make some simple observations uh, about what the Spirit says here, and then I want to close with some practical advice. I, I would like to, to do this in part because I, I want to suggest this psalm to you for further meditation. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time this morning. Uh, but I, I want you in the next few days and weeks to, to turn your attention back to this psalm and consider it as what the Reformers uh, called it, a, a common form of prayer which can be used whenever threatened with any danger. The first thing that, that David does uh, in, in this devout and, devout and pious battle cry, with a trial on the horizon, David turns his attention to the Lord, verses one through five. And it's in the form of, of this blessing, may the Lord do this, may the Lord do that. Uh, it really is a prayer. And it is in itself instructive that this is David's response. Oh, may the Lord have mercy and may the Lord deliver us. Uh, David's response to, to uh, a battle on the horizon, a storm brewing, is, uh, is not just to batten down the hatches and trim the sails, but it is to pray. And that, from the outset, is an important reminder for us, friends, uh, it is so easy right now to turn every free moment to turn your attention to a screen to find out what's happening, whether it be global news or social media or you know this website or that website to find out what's going on. It is important that we as the people of God do not just turn our attention to what the world is saying but we turn our attention to our God, that we be a people whose first concern is the not the voice of the world, but the voice of God. Now, um, again, I have some practical counsel about that in a few moments, but let's look at these verses uh, more, uh, more carefully. The first thing I want to point out to you about uh, what, what David does here is that um, this psalm teaches us that trusting in God means calling out to God for help in times of danger and need. Uh, look at verses one and two again. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. 
May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. Uh, David begins by acknowledging, I, I am in trouble, we are in trouble, and we need help, and God is the place from which the help will come. Uh, I don't need to remind you, friends. Well, maybe I do need to remind you. We are always in trouble. Uh, global pandemic or no. Uh, we are always on the edge of financial ruin. We are always on the edge of a health crisis. We are always on the edge of death. That's part of the nature of being a human being. Uh, it's, in this congregation, it's, it's not just the last few weeks we started talking about death. Started praying about health crises. We're always in danger, we're always in need, but oh, it is so easy to forget about that, isn't it? It is so easy to forget that the next breath is a gift from the Lord, that daily bread comes from God alone. And in one sense, a trial uh, is a blessing in that it brings clarity about this for us. It brings a reminder for us that we are in need spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, David calls out here with exclamation points probably because he was going into battle. Somebody was coming to him or he was going to somebody else and there was a threat. And friends, trusting in the Lord, it does look like recognizing that truth that's always present but is especially clear right now that we are in danger as human beings and God is our help. And God is our help, and he is our help in every way. I mean, we, as, as Christians in the United States of America, we are accustomed to speaking of God's help in, in mostly spiritual terms. But let me remind you, he is our help in every trial. He is our help in financial trial. He's our help in physical trial. He's our help in emotional trial, in, in mental and social duress. God is our help in all of it. It's not that he's divided the world like Plato into material and spirit, and he cares about spirit, and the rest is up to you. It's foolish for us to behave that way. The world doesn't work like that. God is our help in all times. It's right to pray when we're sick and to pray for people who are sick. You see examples of that in the scriptures. It's not unspiritual to pray about physical needs. In fact, we are taught to pray, remember, for daily bread. Now, some of our brothers and sisters globally are used to this, praying for daily bread. We are not particularly used to it here. We are not used to that kind of dependent prayer. How am I going to make it through the week? How am I going to take care of my children? Some of our brothers and sisters globally could teach us some important lessons in this regard. The scriptures teach us important lessons. And I encourage you, as brothers and sisters here at Grace Church, this is a particularly good time to start learning. To start taking our anxiety and fear not to the internet, but to God in prayer. And saying, oh Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, will you answer us in the day of trouble? 
Oh God, will you protect us? Will you send us help? Will you give us support? If you're like me, you probably haven't prayed like that as often as you ought to over the years. You've assumed the support would be there. Well, let's begin praying, friends. Let's make it our business daily to pray. Some of us here, some of us work in the hospital. Some of us are nurses. Some of us are doctors. Some of us are, are feeling some of the, of the pinch of the lack of resources and the potential for great needs in the near future here. Pray for them. Some folks are, uh, as I've said before, some folks are frightened about their own health. Pray for them. Some folks aren't, don't know what they're going to do with their kids next week. Pray for them. Right? Pray and ask God to help us. Trusting in God means calling on him for help in times of danger and need. Now, the second thing I want to point out to you here is that trusting in God means remembering that the grounds of his mercy is the covenant of grace, not our worthiness. Look at verse 3 in the psalm. May he remember all your offerings and remember with favor your burnt sacrifices. David, David does not appeal to his own worthiness in calling for God's help and his mercy. He appeals to the covenant. He appeals to the atoning sacrifices that have been made. Now, I don't have to tell you, friends, all those sacrifices were prefiguring the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the sacrifice. And like David, when we come to God for mercy and help, we do not just come saying, oh, Lord, I'm desperate, and that's why you should help me. Oh, Lord, I really mean my prayer, and I've got really strong faith right now, and that's why you should help me. We come in prayer trusting in the covenant of grace that God himself has given Christ for us, and in his name do we come. The blood of Christ is the, sound, the foundation under our feet in approaching the Lord and his sacrifice once for all. Friends, remember that. Boy, you know how easy it is for, for Christianity and religiosity to progress and for this core of it to drop out unnoticed. I say prayers so that I'm good, so that I get blessed. It's so easy for that to creep in. Remember why God blesses sinners. It's because of his own love that sent Jesus Christ to die. In fact, I would encourage you, friends, make it a point to remember that every day. When you get up in the morning, before you look at Twitter, before you look at Facebook, before you look at the news and what's happened, and boy, the news is going to be tantalizing. What has happened? Before you look at those things, look to the cross again and remember. Remember the covenant that he's made and the sacrifice. We've got to be people that live by the cross. The third thing that I want to show you here in the text is that trusting in God is not at odds with making plans. Verse 4, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. You know, David, though he did trust in the Lord, he did not throw caution to the wind and make no plans for the battle that he was about to engage in. He did not ignore preparation. 
And friends, I remind you, neither should we. Uh, this is a good time to pray even as you wash your hands and cleanse your hands, you sinners. Isn't that James chapter 4? <laughs> this is an excellent time uh, to pay attention to things like hygiene. This is an, this is an excellent time to, to listen to advice about social distancing and things like that. I said it in the email to you all this last week. We sat all our kids down and we explained hand-washing to them. And to no surprise to me, they were all doing it wrong. You know? And then I explained it and then I told them to go do it and I observed them and they all did it wrong again. Right? It's a good time to talk about these things. It's a good time to be careful. It's a good time to be, to be conscientious and not only thinking about ourselves. And friends, I don't need to remind you of this not just conscientious in the way we wash our hands and the way we greet each other, but conscientious in the way we buy things. Conscientious in the way we talk to people. Conscientious in the things that we put on, on social media. I'm getting, I'm getting away from the point here, but you, you, the point that I'm trying to make is uh, we do need to think practically, even as we pray, even, even as we trust God, uh, we need to prepare. Um, if we as a church do stop holding large gatherings on Sunday morning here in the next few weeks for a little while, uh, we'll do so because the Department of Health advises it. Uh, the, the, world, the world around us thinks of the church often as arrogant and ignorant people who think of themselves as superior to everybody around them. And what better way could we prove them right by throwing all caution to the wind and disregarding all guidelines and meeting together and getting some people sick? I mean, we would be proving them right. We want to be careful about these things. We want to prepare. We want to take counsel that's given to us. Also, friends, I want to encourage you that in a time of trial, it is important that we make plans to take care of one another that we actually make plans, that we strategize how we are going to look out for each other. If we're not running into each other at a meeting like this, how will we check in on each other? How will we communicate with each other? How will we find out how people are doing if we don't see them at the coffee pot or in the nursery? I wanna to read to you a, a quotation from Martin Luther from a letter that he wrote uh, during one of the periods of, of actual plague in his lifetime, the, the Black Plague, uh, and talking about how he's going to respond, Luther writes this, uh, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us, and then I shall fumigate, help purify the air. I'm gonna administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed, in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he'll surely find me. And I've done what he's expected of me, and so I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely, as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy 
and does not tempt God. Now, in my opinion, that's some sound advice from 500 years ago, applicable today, that we as a people be neither brash nor foolhardy, that we, that we, we do not be so selfish that we forget others and yet recognize the circumstances of the hour. Trusting in God is not at odds with making plans. Also, friends, trusting in God means looking to the future with hope. This is verse 5, the first part of verse 5 in Psalm 20. May we shout for joy over your salvation, and in the name of our God, set up our banners. David looks prayerfully to future deliverance, expecting to shout for joy over the salvation that God provides and set up victory banners because God has delivered him. And friends, it is important that we in faith look forward as well and remember that God is going to carry us through whatever is happening, whatever is going to happen next. There has never been a coronavirus before, but Gordon Birch pointed out as the elders were meeting before the service, there was a polio, and God carried his church through it. God carries his church through all kinds of circumstances. The gates of hell don't prevail against his church. And God is going to carry us through, and he is going to use this for his glory. In fact, friends, it's not for nothing that God sends trials like this to the earth, that God sends trials like this to his church. Uh, Samuel Rutherford said, I've quoted it to you before, God, he's not an idle farmer. He doesn't plow a furrow if he doesn't intend a crop. And if, if it turns out that he plows a deep furrow through our church, through our lives, through our way of life right now, it's because he intends there to be a crop. He intends to teach us. He intends to sanctify us. He intends to mature us in our faith so that we will praise his name. As we, as we walk together through the next few months, friends, be looking for what God is doing in the midst of all this. You remember the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 talking to the Philippians about his imprisonment. He says, ah, but, but this is happening, and in that I rejoice. The fact that I'm in chains, not so much. But I see what God is doing in the midst of this. The gospel is being preached here and there, and in that I rejoice. It is important, friends, that we as a church, as we look at the circumstances of our lives and what happens in the midst of a trial, that we look for things of which we can say, and in that I rejoice. This is, this is teaching me not to fuss so much about small things, and in that I rejoice. This is teaching me to be grateful for my children, and in that I rejoice, right? Things like that. God has purposes in it. And trusting him looks like looking through to those things on the far side. Now, trusting God also means praying. And that's the end of verse 5. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. I've said this before. I've said it before in this sermon even. I'll say it again. Friends, let's be people that make petitions. That be always petitioning the Lord. Oh, God, have mercy. We're going to see a lot of things. The Lord is going to prompt us in many ways to pray over the next few weeks and months. 
it's going to appear to us in the flesh like opportunities to complain. Those are actually opportunities to pray. Don't be mistaken about those. When you feel the temptation to bend someone's ear or put something up on social media, pointing out the, the, the wrongness of something, oh, friends, that is an opportunity to pray, to make a petition before the Lord. Oh, God, have mercy on us and deliver us. Now, I have two more, two more points I want to make, and I'll make them very quickly. Verse 6 and 7 here, really 6 through 8, David makes the point that trusting in God means not trusting in the world. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They will collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. David reminds himself of what he knows, that God is the Savior, that God answers prayer, that God is mighty. And relative to God, everything else, everything else is ultimately untrustworthy. Chariots, horses, in the end, they don't win battles, God does. And, and let, I'll just mention this to you in passing. There's much more to talk about in this regard, but, but let me remind you, friends, as we go into this next season of life together as a church, as a community, as a nation, Money, medicine, hygiene, social distancing, those things do not save us. It would be tempting to put, your, to put your faith in those things. We're going to be surrounded by people in the world that are grasping for things in which they can trust. This will keep me safe. This will fix the circumstances. This will make it better. We've got to be careful that we do not follow along with the trajectory of the voices all around us and begin to trust in things that in the end are not trustworthy. Chariots are shiny and horses are big. They're strong. Uh, But it's the Lord who will deliver us. And finally, verse 7. Trusting in the Lord means exalting Christ. David ends by praying, Oh, Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Interesting that David prays that way, right? Without getting into the, the weeds of, uh, of the messianic implications of David praying this way, let me remind you that the king in the Old Testament is representative of his people, and the people rise and fall with him. The story of Israel's history is really a story of their kings. And likewise today, the people rise and fall with their king. And who is our king? It is not Donald Trump. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king of his people. He is the king of this nation and all nations. And we rise and fall with him. And when the psalmist says, O Lord, save the king." Oh, God, preserve that one in whom all of our life and our hope is wrapped up. He is praying in a way, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh, may Jesus Christ be exalted. Because he does answer us when we call. We have to pray that way as well. This is a model, this is a pattern of prayer for us. 
the psalm ends with a reminder again to pray that he might answer when we call. Now, having said these things, having looked at this psalm together, I do encourage you to look at it some more privately and talk through it and pray through it. I, do, I have two admonitions for you that I want to make here in closing, two very practical things as we look to the future together. Friends, if you do not have the daily practice in your life at this point of turning to God in faith, setting aside time to turn to him in faith, you should do so now. If a practice of daily Bible reading, of daily prayer, of remembering the truth of the gospel, if that's not part of your life, has not been up to this point, make it part of it now. That you might pray tomorrow morning, every morning, tomorrow evening, every evening, oh God, deliver us and have mercy on us. It is your covenant that we stand on and not on our own righteousness. Oh God, we make these plans, but oh, have mercy on us in making these plans. And Lord, save us. Friends, read the word of God. Pray for God's help. Remember the cross of Jesus Christ. Do it in your home. Do it together as a family. Look for God's purposes, for God's providence together. Be watchful of the ways that trust in the world is creeping in. Gathering together like this is a profound means of grace. I've said that to you many times. It is entirely possible that we're going to go for a little stretch here without this particular means of grace. That you're not going to depend on just showing up at a place where we're going to walk through the gospel and have the scriptures read to you. You may have to read them yourself. You may have to walk through the gospel yourself. You may have to pray prayers of praise and prayers of confession yourself. If you haven't been doing that, start now. This is an excellent time, no matter what happens next week. Again, when you get up in the morning, I encourage you, before you find out what's happening on Facebook, pray. Before you put up your thoughts on Twitter, send, pour your heart out before the Lord. Before you listen to the voices of the world in the news, listen to God and his word. This is an excellent time for the church to gather our thoughts and give our attention to him. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is, is do make plans for how you are going to love the other people in the church. This is a, this is a warm church. This is a welcoming church. This is a, a church where fellowship is a, a significant part of how we live, and a lot of that is built around our schedule. We meet together, and we see each other, and we talk, and we hug. What if we're not hugging? What if we're not going to the same place at the same time? Make sure people don't get forgotten. I encourage you, friends. In fact, I, the membership of this church, maybe for the next little while, don't let a day go by that you don't reach out to somebody. Text somebody, call somebody, find out how somebody's doing. If there was ever a time for people to fall through the cracks and be forgotten, this is the time. Let's redouble, triple our efforts to make sure, let's make plans, the way the psalmist says, to take care of one another. If you want a list of the folks in the church, you know, email me or Russell and we'll send it to you. And start going down the list and seeing how people are, especially people who are already kind of isolated. 
And friends, check on people in the church, but check on people outside the church too. It's not just people in our congregation who are going to be isolated and who are afraid. And this is an excellent time to reach out to your neighbors. Now, we don't know what God is going to do here, friends. We don't know what's on the horizon. Whatever it is, though, I want to encourage you as a congregation not to waste it. I want to encourage you as my brothers and sisters here at the church, as my, as my family, decide now that you're going to walk through this next season with Christ drawing near to him, calling on him, seeking his guidance, and doing his will. As I said, the elders are going to be in touch with you all about meetings in the future. We're not going to meet tonight. Uh, we, we are going to meet tomorrow night for the prayer meeting. There, there's usually not a ton of people there, so it's not a large gathering. So we can have that prayer meeting. But if there are a ton of people, we'll divide up. And we'll meet in other places in the building. I don't know what we'll do. But we will have our prayer meeting tomorrow night. Uh, this is a time to pray. At 7 o'clock over in the fellowship hall. As far as your small group Bible studies go, contact your small group leader and, and find out what you're going to do. Make decisions there. The men's breakfast next weekend is, we're going to cancel that for now. We're going to cancel our Wednesday night activities. And uh, as far as next Sunday goes, morning and evening services, you just have to wait to, wait to hear about that. Again, if the weather's good, we can maybe meet outside. So we're going to figure something out. But friends, please be praying. Please be seeking the Lord. And please be looking out for one another. Uh, whatever happens next year. Let's, uh, let's pray together now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the kindness that you've shown us as a church. We thank you that we can gather together this morning like this. And oh Lord, we pray that you would fulfill our plans. We pray that you would deliver us in our trial. We pray that you would guide us. We pray that you would send support and salvation to us and help us not to trust in the things of the world, but to trust in you alone. You are our Savior. We know that you save your people. We know that you answer when we call to you with the saving might of your right hand. Oh, Lord, answer us when we call. Exalt Christ in all of this and help us as a church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.